So we're into this series now. Last Sunday I did what I called Sermon Zero because we split the first video into two, this series on fan or followers. And some of you I know are not followers because you did the whole first video in the first week. So already you're starting to differentiate yourselves from the followers and the rebels. And uh, But that's okay. That's okay. If you did the whole first video, you're just a little bit ahead. That's all right. This week you'll be finishing the first video and everybody will be in sync hopefully after that um, as we finish the first video. And uh, so this is really fan or follower number one. And uh, as, a, as we sort of get into our minds what it is as to whether uh, what a fan is and what a follower is, um, I w- sort of was given this illustration from the material in terms of... Um, sort of how we start out in life and, and what we choose is going to define our life. And, and the example is the, the kids, and I don't know who has a kid like this, who actually ends up going into the lemonade stand business, right? And, and you've seen these kids with the lemonade stands, and, and maybe your child has tried this one time where they set up the little lemonade stand at the side of the road one afternoon, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just testing it out. But the, but the funny thing is, when you think about it, there actually are professional lemonade stands out there. And so logic would dictate that some kid somewhere ended up going into the lemonade stand business full time because we have professional lemonade stands where you can go and get a lemonade, even as adults. And so this kid, you can imagine at one time, he wanted to try it out after seeing some other kids maybe in the neighborhood doing it. And, uh, or maybe he saw one set up at a baseball park and he thought, you know, I could, I could make a little money doing this. And so this, you know, this kid tries it out and he gets his dad to help him set up this stand and he, and he paints a sign and he starts selling his lemonade for maybe 50 cents or, you know, a quarter. And, and after this day where he successfully tries it again and, and then again and then again and then, and then somebody notices and he gets invited to the local football game or he gets invited to the local baseball game. And so he sets up his stand there and he raises his price up to $2 a glass. And pretty soon he's got all these invitations. This kid who just started this little stand by made out of cardboard at the side of the road, he, he has all these invitations to come out to all kinds of events. He's at the festival and he's at the fair and, and, and he's getting really busy and he's taking lemonades, his lemonade stand all over town and uh, he's making a nice profit. But now he's got to order, you know, special lemonades and crates. He's bringing them in. He's got people helping them. He's got to hire his sister and his little brother to help him get the lemonade made. And he's maybe gets his computer out and starts up a spreadsheet to, you know, to start doing the business, you know. And, and at some point he's got to make a decision as to whether this is just a hobby or whether this is now his life. It's a, it's a full-time commitment. And at that moment, this, this kid has to make a choice. Is this going to become some kind of career? Is, this, is lemonade going to be the focus of his life? Is he going to live and breathe the science and the art of lemonade making in order to succeed? What will he choose? And now some of you are thinking, maybe I should go into the lemonade business. This sounds pretty profitable. Or you're thinking, I wish that was my kid. Because, you know, my child doesn't even know what a spreadsheet is. And, uh, but whatever you're thinking... Whatever you're thinking, you understand that moment. There's a moment in our life when we make a decision whether this is just a hobby or this is just something I'm sort of interested in or whether this is something I'm going to pursue. This is something I'm going to follow. This is something I'm going to make a career. Is this for fun or is this something more? 
Am I just trying this out or am I investing in it? Is this what is going to define my life? And those kind of moments that we have and we can maybe think of in our life, like this lemonade stand kid, and whether it's going to become his career, we have those moments in our life where we have to decide whether this is just something on the side or whether this is central to what I'm about. And those kind of moments don't just come up. They're not just unique to the business experience uh, or the career world. I think their much more common experience lies in the realm of relationships. And in our video this week, for those of you that were in our groups, this will be a little one-minute reminder, but in our video this week, uh, Kyle is doing the series with us along with the video. He gave us the reminder of these defining moments in our relationship. So here's your reminder. DTR. Some of you will recognize what those orders stand for. If you're not sure, let me help you out. If you are a young man in a relationship with a young woman, then uh, chances are these letters are enough to strike fear into your heart. You may run away from, postpone, you may dread the DTR talk. Some young men will even terminate a relationship if they feel like the DTR talk is imminent. It is that official talk that takes place in every romantic relationship. Do you know what it stands for, DTR? Define the relationship. You sit down and you decide where things are going. I think it's neutral, casual, to committed. I remember this uh, day I went on high school on the very first date. The girls tried to have a DTR talk with me. First date, DTR. I got on the PDQ. <laughs> So you remember that from the video, and, and that's really what setting up the next several weeks is about. The next few weeks, what I want us all to examine is our relationship with Jesus. And some of you may still just be on that first or second date with the church or with the idea of knowing Jesus, and you're not exactly sure what to make of any of this, or the whole idea of Christianity is maybe your parents' idea and it's not yours. It's, it's kind of their lemonade stand. It's their lemonade business. It's not yours yet, and that's okay. If you're traveling along with us in this examination of the relationship with Jesus, you're traveling along just like the people traveled along with Jesus. He attracted crowds that traveled him, traveled with him, and they were just listening in. And that's okay. Maybe you're not ready for that DTR talk yet. But I think most of us in this room, most of us in this room have a relationship with Jesus. And I think most of us in this room need to have that define the relationship talk. With Jesus, We need to define the relationship and find out where we stand with Jesus, or perhaps more precisely, where does Jesus stand in our life? Is he coming first, or is he a close second, or is Jesus a distant fifth or sixth in the list of options we have to follow? And that will be the question for some of us. How does my following Jesus compare with everything else that I have the opportunity to follow in this world? How does my following Jesus compare with all the other influences on my life? Is he number one? Is he number two? Is he number seven? And to examine that question, we'll be using a verse that clearly lays out what it means to be a follower of Christ, and it's Luke 9.23. And Luke 9.23 reads, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Now, I think many of us will welcome this DTR talk because you're ready to move to a different level of commitment. You are ready to move past the casual and past the convenient into something more devoted. I know that just from our small groups and from my conversations with you, that there are are, uh, most of you, many of you in this room that are ready to follow Jesus more closely and to follow harder after him, to really ask yourself, what more can I do in following Jesus? If following Jesus is easy, if following Jesus didn't cost anything, then what could it be worth? Things that don't cost anything, things that come easily, aren't worth very much. And I know that you're thinking, and and many of you are ready for this talk because you know that Jesus is infinitely valuable. And so therefore, to pursue Jesus should cost something proportionate to his value. And if it's not costing you a lot to be involved in church, in fact, for some of you, maybe uh, you actually get more out than you put in to your relationship with the church and your service in Jesus. You know, your kids get good teaching and they get weekly programs or it keeps your parents off your back or church and Jesus are just the path of least resistance in your life. And this idea of being more committed, this idea of taking it to a different level, you get a little anxious. And so I get it that there's sort of two groups of people out there. There's the people that are really seeking after this talk and there's other people that are kind of nervous about this talk, about getting further into their relationship with Jesus. And maybe you even go into the sort of fight or flight response when the DTR talk comes up. You're thinking there right now, you're you're sitting there thinking, if this preacher is going to ask any more from me than I already have given, I've got all kinds of arguments as to why he's wrong to even ask. Some of you maybe are thinking something like that. Like, don't pressure me. You don't have a right to ask any more from me. You're ready to fight with your arguments. Or there's other people that maybe are thinking, you know, I'm not even going to bother to have this argument. I'm just never coming back. You know, next week I will be somewhere else because I'm sure there's a church somewhere that doesn't ask any more from me. There's some place where I can do less. And that's okay. You can have your arguments. God can handle your arguments. And you can even run away from this DTR talk for now. But here's the bottom line. At some point, Jesus will have the DTR talk with you. He will ask that you decide if he comes first and if you are following only him. And that's what's going on in Luke 9.23. Jesus is sort of implementing the DTR talk. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And in the Gospel of Mark, he notes uh, that Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples. That's how Mark introduces it. Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples before he said this. He gathered the crowd of onlookers and he gave them the same message along with the people who were supposedly following him. And the message was this. This is what following me really means. And then to make it more clear after he said that, he elaborates and he goes on to say, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. So that is what taking up your cross means. It means a sacrificial life. It means giving up the life that you might prefer. Or it means giving up the life that your flesh desires. It means giving up maybe what you have been striving for since you were a teenager. It might mean giving up the lemonade stand. Because that's what you had your heart set on since you were a kid. That you were going to do this and you were going to go to school and get this education. And you were going to get into this career. And this is what you had all planned out for your life. And Jesus says... That if you're going to lay down your life, this is what it means. It means that you need to lose your life for my sake. And so 
you might have to give up the life that you prefer. You might have to give up the life that your flesh desires. You might have to give up what you've been striving for or that you envy in other people. Maybe you've seen things in other people's lives and you think, I want his life or I want her life because that looks like a good life. And Jesus says, no, that's the life you're going to give up in order to follow me, in order to serve me and serve the gospel, my message of good news that I have to get to the world. And Jesus isn't saying that every follower is going to literally hang on a cross when he says that you have to pick up your cross and follow me. He knows that not everybody's going to be crucified. You can't take it literally. He's walking his path and everybody's going to walk their path. He doesn't even mean literally that everybody's going to die for the gospel. But every follower is going to give up something. As we talked about last week, the three men that were following Jesus, you'll have to risk your security or release your life or reorder your priorities. You can't stop following one thing and start following another thing without giving up that other path, right? It's just logical. Jesus is just making common sense here. He says, if you're going to stop following this and start following me, you have to give up that. You can't follow both of them. And so something has to be given up. And Jesus is trying to spell out to the crowds here and spell out to his disciples exactly what it is that they're going to give up. You have to give up that other path. You have to give up that other thing you were following. At the very least, you have to give up what might have been down that road. And that's the life that Jesus calls us to deny. That might have been that if I had done that, what could have been versus what Jesus has called me to and what following him means in my life. But he's not done there. And then to make it even more clear, Jesus adds another thing to what he says. He spells it out even further just so nobody can take his words and turn them into some sort of spiritual or or sort of philosophical attitude or a feeling or a perspective and avoid the reality of it. So, So he wants to make sure... Just understand this, as he's talking to the crowd and his disciples, Jesus wants to make sure that, that we don't just sort of turn this into sort of a spiritual platitude of, of following him means something in our heart, or following him means something in our mind, or, or it's sort of a philosophy of life to follow Jesus. He, he's not talking about that. He goes on to say this, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? So Jesus says, yes, Let me be clear, I am talking about giving up the world. I'm not talking about following me in some sort of philosophical or spiritual sense. I mean that when you give up your life and deny your life and you pick up your cross, I'm talking about the real world. This is not some sort of philosophical, spiritual thing that I'm talking about. I mean, what would it profit you if you were to gain all the things in the world but ended up losing your eternal soul, your eternal life? I'm talking about giving up the world that you want to hang on to so desperately. Giving up your life, when I say that, means giving up something that you would normally have for yourself, but instead of having that thing, you serve me instead. You serve the gospel. And instead of gaining the stuff of the world, instead of gaining the things of following the world, you gain the things from following me, you gain eternal life. That is what Jesus means. And he's trying really hard to make it clear exactly what it means. Because you could take that first thing, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, and you could turn it into all kinds of different sort of philosophical and spiritual stuff. And so Jesus says two other things to make it really clear. I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about giving up the stuff of this life in order to follow me. And he can't make it much more clear. He says, if anyone would come after me, 
He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Following is a daily thing. So he wants to clarify that too. This is not a one-time decision. Following is a change of lifestyle. It's a shift in worldview. It's a setting down of the old things and picking up new things every day. It's every day responding and acting and speaking and behaving in a way that's different than what would have happened before. He's talking about you do this daily. You don't just make a decision when you're a teenager. You don't just decide something mentally and then that is following He says daily you have to deny yourself and daily you have to pick up your cross. Every day. What might have been and the way the world was going for you and the way your life might have been and the way the world is going, it keeps going. But all of that goes on without you when you're following Jesus. You follow something different. And there may be times in your life when you sort of look back, you can sort of pause as Christians and you can can kind of mentally look across to that other path that you think, well, if if I had followed that path 15 years ago, or if I had followed that path even just a year ago, I might have been there, right? We can all do that. We can say, I I could have gone to school for this, or I could have taken that job, or or I could have bought that thing, or I could have done that. But instead of doing that, I followed Jesus. And I understand that I'm here today because I chose to follow Jesus, but I I can sort of mentally look over there and see what, what would have been. But I'm so glad I'm here. Because the life that Jesus called me to, it might have in the world sense cost me something different, like maybe I'm not living in as big a house, or maybe I'm living in a different country, or maybe I'm living in a different city, or maybe I don't have the job I expected I would have. But I chose to follow Jesus, and so I can look and see that things might have been different. But I am glad that I followed Jesus on the path that I'm on, because I gave up that path in order to follow Jesus on his path, and I'm glad I did. One of the best examples that I can give you to illustrate that, I I take right from Scripture. The Bible wants to illustrate this really clearly of what I mean when I say you're giving up something over there in order to follow Jesus every day over here. And the best example that we have and that I can give comes from Scripture and, and that God actually deliberately gives us as an example of that, of following Jesus, is marriage. In marriage, we see what sort of life change is required in sort of a a lesser way, to follow Jesus. Ephesians 5.25 says this. This is where I get it from. Great chapter, second half of the chapter on marriage in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands here are called to give up their lives as a demonstration of love for their wives. Does that sound familiar? Right? Jesus said this about himself. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross. He said, lose your life in order to follow me. And now here in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul is saying in marriage, husbands, you have to lose your life in order to love your wife. So what does that mean in a marriage? How is this an example? It means that every day, the husband in this case, and it actually works both ways if we were to elaborate on Ephesians 5, But in this case, for the husband, it means every day he doesn't get to live as a bachelor anymore, right? And here's just some of the small things he gets up. He doesn't get to go golfing every week anymore, right? He gives that up. He doesn't get to sleep in every weekend. His evenings are not his own. He has to take care of more property and more things in order to accommodate his family. Instead of working on his car, he's working on his kids' bikes, right? Instead of watching you know, James Bond movies, he's watching Veggie Tales, 
right? Like these are things that you give up. When you choose to be married and you choose to love your wife as Christ loved the church, you start to give up your life for the sake of your wife and your family and that marriage. And so there is a life over here that the husband, in this case, works for wives too, but there's a life over here that the husband could have been living, which is golf and cars and hanging out with the guys and watching the ball game at the bar and all of that stuff. And he lays down that life. He denies himself in order to pick up another life, a life of service to his wife and to his family and a life of love and and service and ministry. And so God has actually given us marriage as a picture of this and he uses the same language through the Apostle Paul of husbands and wives where he says, husbands, you have to give up this life in order to love your wife. And this is the same language that Jesus is using. He's saying, you have to lay down your life. You have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me every day. And so as Christians, we look at our life and we say, I get it that there is a life I could have over here, but I've denied that life and I lay that life down. I'm not literally going to a cross. I'm not even literally going to necessarily die for the gospel. But I'm going to lay down the life that my flesh and my heart and my self might want for me in order to choose a life of following Jesus. That's what Jesus is getting across. That's what the laying down of our life is. And it's good marriage advice too. I'll just throw that out there. That's a freebie. The marriage is going to cost the husband and the wife. They are going to pay something in order to gain the marriage. And we are going to pay something in order to gain Christ. A marriage, even a rocky marriage, is just a taste. That's just a picture that maybe you can experience. That's just a taste of what Jesus is saying to the crowd. He's saying, if you want to follow me, if you want this real relationship with me, not just lip service, not just saying, oh yeah, I I like what you say and you're a good teacher and you've got good things in your Bible. If you want to really have a relationship with me, I will know it because you will have given up things in your life in order to pursue the things that are healthy and good for you that I have laid out for you. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm taking the Calvary road. Uh, The life that I call you to will cost you. It's a sacrificial life. But if you deny yourself and you pick up that cross for my sake and you serve my gospel, my good news to the world, then you will gain real eternal life. And this is where the DTR talk suddenly gets really really personal. Notice that Jesus doesn't say in this text, take up my cross, right? He doesn't say that. We're not on the exact same path that Jesus was on. We won't live the life that Jesus lived. Notice also he doesn't say, pick up that guy's cross. He doesn't say, pick up that woman's cross, right? He doesn't say, pick up somebody else's cross. Somebody else's cross is not yours, and your cross isn't theirs, what they are struggling with or what they may may or may not be the same as what you're struggling with. So as Christians, as we are called to deny the world, as we are called to lay our life down, there are things that are very similar in what we have to deny as Christians. But how they look to each of us can be different. This is more personal than just a simple rule or a simple ritual that we talked about last week when we're really good at making rules. This this thing that Jesus is calling us to of laying down our cross, not his cross, not the other guy's cross, but our cross, is a deeply personal conversation 
between us and Jesus. Jesus is saying, you have to give up something in your life in order to follow me. And it might be different than what somebody else has to give up. And it'll be different than what I had to give up. Nobody can give up what Jesus gave up. So this is where the DTR talk is really personal. What is it in your life? What's your cross? What's the part of your life that he wants to take the lead in today? The talk, this DTR talk, is all about you. Not about us as a group, but about you personally, between your heart and Jesus. And so we're left with the questions then for ourselves. What is it that you need to set down or deny? And what is it that you need to pick up? What is your cross? So I'll give you a big one as an example, as a bit of application. This kind of applies to a lot of people. applies to me. What's a big thing that we have to set down as Christians? It was common enough that Jesus talked about it the most. Money and all that money represents. We have to set down our passion that's built into us to store up stuff for ourselves at the expense of the gospel. Whether it's houses or properties or cars or vacations or furniture or, or stuff, just going, getting stuff at the mall, it's all landfill in the end. Not that you can't have those things. Houses are great. Beds to sleep in are fantastic. Cars get us to work. Setting aside money for education for our children and for their health care and their, and their safety are good things. Jesus doesn't say that everyone has to lose everything. Remember, the cross you pick up is your personal cross. He doesn't say that everybody has to live in poverty for their entire life. But the first fruits. The first portion of our wealth, the first portion of his blessing upon us is really his. If you're following Jesus, does he come first in that area of your life? Does he get the first money because he's out front? Or is Jesus eighth or ninth or twelfth on your budget? Let me use that marriage example again to to just sort of drive home, I think, what, what the Apostle Paul would want us to learn from that. So imagine you have a gift budget and your wife comes 11th and there's five other women ahead of her. What does that say about your wife, right? So he's like, I got a budget, I spend money and I have this relationship with my wife and she's 11th on my budget for gifts and there's five women ahead of her, right? The marriage thing kind of works. So now we as Christians, we say, yeah, I've got this relationship with Jesus and Jesus is in my budget, but he's ninth. I got eight other things that come before Jesus in my budget. So are you really following him? Is he really out front of you? Is he really in first place if that's how we approach that area of our life? What are we willing to deny for ourselves in order to afford to others is a pretty big indicator of what their value is to us. And so you may need to deny yourself some of your spending in order to take up the cross of seeing the gospel of Jesus move forward in Halliburton County or around the world or, or wherever Jesus is calling you to pour into. He's saying, I need, if you're following me, I need to be first in that area of your life. Because if I'm not first, then you're not following me. I'm, I'm back here somewhere. So that's, that's the first place we can look at in our life or one of the places we could look at in our life to say, are we really following Jesus? And that's the DTR talk. Jesus wants to define the relationship. Where am I? Am I one or am I nine or 11 
or farther back. But maybe it's not money. Maybe your offering comes right out of your bank at 10 a.m. on payday. Before anything else gets spent, you're on direct deposit, pops out of your bank. You've taken care of that. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's time. God has blessed you and you've managed your lifestyle in a godly way and you live within your means and you're able to give generously to the church and a bunch of other places. But now that that's taken care of, your life is your own. Your evenings are yours. Your weekends are yours. You are free and clear because you write that check every other week and you are free and clear to enjoy life. And so you've got your vacations and all that other time is yours. And you've got your routine, your sports, your car shows, your shopping or your movies or your dinner with friends or your hiking or reading or whatever. And those are all good things. Those are all okay things. Jesus is not saying you can never do anything fun in your life. You know, you never have any time to rest or or for yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying. But just like with money, he is saying, where do you spend your first time? Where do you spend your best time? Does Jesus get, you know, the end of the week when you're really tired and maybe you've got an extra half an hour to maybe do a little bit of something? Or does Jesus get the first of your time? Does he get your most alert time, your best time, your highest energy? Or does mountain biking or sports or shopping or something else get that? Right? What is coming first in that area of your life? It would be the same, again, using the marriage example. You know, you say, yeah, I've got my schedule and I've got my time. And, you know, if if you would like to get together with me, Wendy, then I can slot you in there somewhere down maybe 15th. Yeah, Thursday night I get home from a meeting at 10 o'clock, so we're good. Between 10 and 10.30, just before I go to bed, we'll have a quick meeting and we'll talk. Boy, Wendy would feel so loved, right? She would just feel the feels. <laughs> but that's what we do with our time with Jesus sometimes, right? It's like, you know, somebody's come and they've asked me, said they need help in the nursery, or they said they need help leading a small group, or they've said they need help with, with the riot or with blast. And I look at my schedule and I think, oh, well, I don't know. I got, I got this on Monday and I got square dancing and I got curling and I got, uh, you know, and then, well, sa- Saturday night hockey and then, well, Thursday night football. It's like, yeah, Tuesday looks kind of free. If it's like nine o'clock, because I got to do these other things at nine o'clock on Tuesdays, if you could change the schedule for me, then that would be great. Just move that ministry from Thursday to Tuesday and move it to nine o'clock on my behalf. Then I'll help you out. Right. And we do that. We do that all the time. I do it. I do. I look at my schedule and I do that. And Jesus is saying, no, what is your relationship with me? Let's define the relationship. Are you following me? Am I first? Am I out in front or am I eighth in line? Or maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's not time. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe maybe you have a tightness to people and places that are not healthy for you. That the thing that you have to lay down is wanting to be with the in crowd. And so right now in your life, you are too close to the wrong people and you go to the wrong kind of places too often because you are really more concerned with following the crowd. And you are really more concerned with being perceived as being part of the right group of people. And so what you have to let go of, what you have to deny, and the cross that you have to pick up, is you have to let go of and deny this idea that you need to be perceived as cool or be perceived as hanging out with the right people. And the cross that you need to pick up is the cross of maybe being laughed at or maybe even just ignored by the world and instead be welcomed by Jesus and by his people. And hang out with that crowd instead of this crowd. And that can be a cross to bear. I get it. Right? That's a cross that's hard to bear.
But that may be what we have to let down. We may have to dress differently. We may have to speak differently. We may have to hang out with different people. We may have to not go to certain places. We have to lay that life down in order to pick up the cross that Jesus has called us to pick up to follow him. And so it could be any of these things, or it could be something else. The point is, it's intensely personal. It's between you and Jesus. When Jesus spoke like this to his followers, the result was often what we see in John chapter 6. This is what happened when Jesus spoke this way. This is what we risk, or this is what he risked, so to speak. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When we have this DTR talk, when we talk about defining the relationship with Jesus, when he pulls out these these statements to these crowds of people and even his disciples that are following him, and he says, look, you have to deny your life, you have to lay it down and pick up the cross every single day to follow me. When he pulls that out and we have that conversation even here today, this is what happens. Many people turn back and no longer follow him. And you know what that means to me, that sentence? I am pretty sure that this is what it means because I feel it in myself. Their turning back and no longer following indicates that there's a resistance, right? When Jesus says these things, there's a resistance, there's a barrier. God would call it a rebellion in their hearts because Jesus says these things and there's something going on inside and they think, "Mm, no, can't do it. Too much of a challenge, too much of a barrier. Or I just don't like what he's talking about. It sounds too hard. It sounds like I have to deny myself and I don't like that. And so there is this rebellion that goes on in our hearts, this kind of talk. And it goes on right now in our hearts, even this minute as we look at scripture and hear Jesus say these things even to us in our heart, our flesh, our life, our hearts are jealous for our own self-pleasure and self-satisfaction. We are wired with a sinful nature. And so it is naturally, and I mean not good naturally, but the bad naturally, the sinful naturally. It's sinful in our nature for us to resist this kind of talk from Jesus. Because we are wired for our self-pleasure and self-satisfaction. And so we are wired to resist this and to rebel against Jesus from coming first in every area of our life. And so when people heard this in the crowd, there were some of them that just turned away and said, you want me to come, you have to come first in my money? No. You have to come first in my time? No. You have to come first in my relationships and how I'm perceived in the world? No. Can't do it. Because that's how we're wired. But Jesus is calling us, and as we sang about, as Allison said, he's not calling us to anything that he doesn't equip us for by his Holy Spirit. He's calling us to put him on top of the list in our budget, on top of the list in our relationships, in our time, in, in, in where we visit and who we hang out with. He's calling us to put him first in every area and every part of our life. And so the heart question, what's going on in our hearts right now, the, the DTR question is, what is stopping you right now from following Jesus on the path he's called you on? Because Jesus right now is having this really personal conversation with all of us in our hearts. And we probably, if we stop and think about it for a little while, we know the answers to these questions. That there is something right now in your life that is stopping you from following the the path that you know Jesus is calling you on. You, You know what Jesus wants you to do, but there is something stopping you. It could be money, could be time, could just because it's too hard, could be embarrassment, could be whatever. 
But we've got to put our finger on what it is that's stopping us from doing what Jesus would have us do, from following him on the life that he would take us down. Another way to phrase it is what, is, what are you resisting setting down? That you know Jesus has told you you need to give that up, but you're just hanging on to it so tight, you're like, I'm not going to set that down. You know, you can do a lot of other things in my life, Jesus, but not that thing. I'm not putting that down because I like it too much. But Jesus just keeps having this talk with you and he keeps saying, let it go. Let it go. Set it down. Or maybe it's not something you have to set down. Maybe it's something Jesus is calling you to pick up. Maybe it's that cross. And Jesus is saying, you know, and he's been saying it maybe for weeks. Maybe he's been saying it for months. Maybe he's been saying it for years in your life. Here's the thing I want you to do. Here's the thing I want you to pick up. I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to fix that relationship. I want you to consider a career change. I want you to give up something here or do something there. And he's been saying it and saying it and saying it. And you've been saying, I'm not going to pick that up. I'm not going to pick that up. I'm not going to pick that up. That's too heavy for me. That is too much for me to consider. What is it that Jesus is asking you to set down? Or what is it that Jesus is asking you to pick up? Jesus says, if you follow me, you have to loosen your grasp on the world. You have to open up your hand. You have to set that thing down that you are serving more highly than you are serving me. And you have to pick up what I am offering you. And if you do pick up this life that I am offering you, it is eternal life. It is a profoundly new kind of joy. It is a real and abundant life that Jesus is calling us to, even if it doesn't look like it in the moment. So open your hand, set it down, deny your flesh, deny what your heart desires wrongly and pick up what Jesus is offering to you to do in every part of your life. Just go through each section of your life and put him first. If you do that, it's an abundant life that Jesus is offering. Put him first and follow him. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this opportunity together as a church family to be going through this whole discussion together. And we're not going to shy away from the fact, Lord, I don't want to shy away from the fact that it's a deeply personal conversation between each and every one of us and each and every one of our hearts and you. And so, Jesus, I just pray that we would seriously consider what it is that we have to let go and set down in order to be able to pick up and carry what it is that you would have us do for you? How do we put you first in every area of our life so that we are following you wholeheartedly as your children? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.